Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray, God, that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Family, before we crack open the word of God, let's do our Bible confession. If you would, say that with me. It'll display before you. Some of you probably already know it by heart, but let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, today we're going to jump into this thing and we're going to try to be laser focused today. I know we had a previous message where I was laser, laser focused on something, but We have a message here today that I want to convey, and once we get that message to you, we will be on the way to really grasping what we mean when we talk about re-engage. See this first image. You know we've been talking about our vision, and our vision has three categories, and the category that we're on now is re-engage. The goal for re-engage is this. Reengage life regardless of the fear or failure and reengage it without condemnation, knowing that if you fall in the process, your risen king has empowered you to get up. The scriptures for that are Proverbs 24, verses 15 through 16 in the Message Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and John chapter 20. Keeping in mind, those are not the only scripture references that we use. Those are our anchors. There are many passages from the good book that we use when we teach. My hope is that what you're doing is taking all those down in your notes. Because all of those Bible verses and references, that will give you the most complete picture of what we talked about when we were exploring this topic. In John chapter 20, though, we began to introduce a thought. And that thought is this. Loved ones, praying and waiting on God's deliverance and help is a biblical approach. Many Christians, though, have taken taken waiting to be their default approach. And waiting has its place, but in many regards, there are solutions and problem solving and other issues in your life that require that you take take action, not wait. Waiting is misunderstood, especially in the Christian realm. Waiting is not just being sedentary. Waiting 
more often than not, is about the actions that you're taking while you rest in God's timing. What are you doing when God's doing what he's got to do to get you what you want or to get you what you need? You can't just be reclined on the couch saying, God, bring up my weight. There are some things that you should be doing as well. That's why my aim here is to initially calibrate for some and recalibrate for others that your default. I prefer I believe God would prefer your default to be bent more towards action and pursuing the things that you want instead of sitting back and waiting for those things to come your way. To dig into that a little bit more, here's what we did. We went from John chapter 20 and began to explore Jesus's healing of two female figures. There is a woman with the issue of blood and a young girl who's dying. She's the daughter of an official named Jairus. This account is in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. And we have read it in Matthew from start to finish. So we know how it starts, and we know how it ends. But what we're doing now is we're taking a step back and we're walking through that account or those accounts and picking up the insights that God has for us. When we were together last, I know I said that we were going to start with this daughter. But you know what? Upon second thought, this woman with her issue still has more she can teach us. Stay with her for now, and let's look at how Matthew, how Mark couched this, Mark chapter 5. And if it gets a little chilly, please feel free to raise the degree a couple. Should we do that? Everybody okay? Everybody okay? All right, all right, all right. Here is what Mark says. We're going to be in the voice version of the Bible completely this today. And Mark chapter five, starting in verse 24, says this. Jesus began traveling with Jairus towards his home in the crowd, pressing all pressing around Jesus. There was a woman who had suffered continuous bleeding for 12 years, bleeding that made her ritually unclean and an outcast, according to the purity laws. She had suffered greatly. And although she spent all her money on her medical care had only gotten worse. She heard of this miracle man, Jesus. So she snuck up behind him in the crowd and reached out her hand to touch his cloak. The woman said to herself, even if all I touch are his clothes, I know I will be healed. This woman has suffered much over the years, 12 years. She suffered greatly. And in her suffering, check this out. She is starting to think to herself, maybe this Jesus, this miracle man, can provide me help and a solution where all others have failed. She learns that Jesus is going to be in the area. 
coming soon to a town near you. And she gets excited, but family, even though Jesus is going to be in the area, her sitting back and waiting, if that's going to be her decision, is going to do nothing to solve her issue. She can't sit back and wait. Waiting for her is not an option. If she elects to sit back and wait for Jesus, Jesus will pass her by. This woman cannot wait because in her instance, waiting won't stop the bleed. There are some things in your life that's bleeding through and you keep waiting on Jesus to come by and stop the bleed. But he's not going to be able to stop the bleed until you give an effort to do something. She can't wait here. She can wait all day, but that waiting won't stop the bleed. She can't wait for her moment. She's got to make her moment. She's got to make the moment to be in a, in, a, in a position for Jesus to do something. She's got to try. She's got to engage. She's got to give effort. Am I saying, though, that her effort comes without fear? No. I wouldn't even convince you of that because I can't convince myself. After 12 years and knowing that she's an outcast, ritually unclean, I, I wouldn't even dare to try to convince you that this lady is doing this without fear. She has fear. She has the fear of the crowd. What if she's found out? Will they condemn her? What's going to happen if they realize that this woman who has this issue that shouldn't be amongst us is amongst us. She has a fear of failure. Nothing else has worked. In 12 years, nothing else has worked. Why will this work? Perhaps she even has a fear of what if this miracle man looks at me with contempt? Yeah, I've heard about him but I've never really met him. Believe me, she has fear. This moment for her is a very scary one. Everything that she is, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, hey, she's putting it all on the line. She's putting it all out there. And you know what she's doing? This decision for her is a, it's a leap of faith. And that leap, family, carries risk. And risk introduces uncertainty. Consequently, what that does is uncertainty, it stirs up fear. And that fear gives her pause. How do I know that? Oh, I know that without a doubt, because the Bible tells me that in her plan, her plan was to covertly approach Jesus and just touch him on the edge of his clothes. She wasn't trying to flag Jesus down. She wasn't trying to shake his hand. She didn't want to. She didn't want to give him a hug, a hug, a fist bump. She didn't want to touch him on the shoulder. No, the Bible says that her plan was to sneak up behind him. 
and touched in a manner where he wouldn't even know he got touched. That tells me that this woman had fear. She was dealing with a decision and that decision carried a risk of engagement and that engagement stirred up fear. That parallels, that parallels our our though. As we begin to re-engage this life, pursue the life that God wants for us, pursue the life that we know that God wants us to pursue, guess what? We can get scared. Just like her. The same type of fears. We can have a fear of the crowd. Rooted in, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? Are they going to receive me? Are they going to condemn me? We can have fears rooted in failure, past failure, and future failure, especially if we've tried and failed before. Get this, she also had fear of being condemned. You don't think that you can have the fear of condemnation? Think again. A person can have the fear of whether or not the life they've lived up to this point grants them only condemnation instead of God's grace. I don't deserve anything because of what I've done. I don't deserve anything because of the way I've lived. This woman has a risk, and that risk is something that is creating fear and giving her pause. The same thing can happen to us. It can. And guess what? If anybody here denies that, I think you're fooling yourself. I know that I have been afraid when taking risk. It's natural. But we can learn something from this woman. Because even though she was afraid, in spite of her fear, she decided to take action. She decided, I'm going to pursue this anyway, in spite of my fears. After 12 years. 12 years of Amassing a a mountain of scenarios that said nothing will work. She makes the decision that she's going to move forward. And guess what? That decision that she's making, she's making it in the face of year after year staring her in the face that said everything you've ever tried has failed. This time, though, for this woman, is different. Her failure was then, but this is now. Why is this time different? Because last time, she tried solutions under her own strength. Last time, she tried solutions that the world offered. Last time, she tried solutions that she could buy with money. This time, 
she's going to try Jesus. This time, she's going to try something that has the power and authority to do something about her issue for real. This time is going to be different. Or, look at there. Is it possible that it's more applicable to say this time can be different? What do you mean, Pastor? When we're talking about Jesus, aren't we talking about this time will be different? Mm, Family, keep in mind, she's close. She is so, so, so very close. She's right there. But notice this. My next image. You see that in the black? Let's read that together. Ready, go. She has spent more than a decade searching for an answer. Suddenly she finds herself just one effort away from the answer. What do I mean by that? She is so close, yet the possibility exists that she could be so far. This woman, she knows where Jesus is going to be, but she's still one effort away. She knows how she can make an opportunity to reach him but she's still one effort away. She also knows she can look and see Jesus with her own eyes, but she's still one effort away. Oh, the time can be different if she puts forth the effort to make it different. But if she elects to wait, this time will be the same as all the others. She will leave that day and enter the next day with her same issue. Same applies to us. Loved ones, we go year after year, day after day, trying solution after solution for our issue when all the time we are just one effort away from the answer. We do so many things to try to find an answer. But the answer is always one effort away. We tried so many things. You've tried so many things. But have you ever really tried Jesus? I'm talking really. Have you ever really sought him as the answer? Really? This woman is putting it all on the line. Have you ever done that? Have you ever truly put it all all on the line for Jesus? That's what this woman is doing. Putting it all on the line. And after decade, uh, over a decade of nothing working, Her mind is made up. 
the solution that she's always sought is one effort away from her. And she's made up her mind that I am going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to try. I'm not going to sit back and wait. So she tries. And look at what Luke says here. Here she is getting ready to try. This verse in Luke reads this way. It's shown there before you, but it's in the voice. Luke chapter eight, verse 44. Jesus, excuse me, she followed Jesus until, until when? She could reach him. Pause right there. So here she is. Regardless of her past failures, regardless of her fears, regardless of her fear of condemnation, she decides to make a move. And family, Luke writes, she followed Jesus until she could reach him. Loved ones, that is a key to finding the solution that you desire in Christ. You got to follow Jesus until you can reach him. You have to follow him. I'm not talking about you follow religion. You have to follow Christ until you can reach him. I'm not talking about following or doing church. You have to follow Jesus until you can reach him. I'm not talking about following your favorite apostle or prophet or evangelist or teacher or pastor. I'm not talking about any of that. You follow Christ. You follow Jesus until you can touch it. Not your favorite blogger, not your favorite influencer, not your favorite uh, motivational speaker. You follow Jesus. Get this, not your therapist, not your life coach. You follow Jesus. And you all know I am not telling you that you shouldn't have a therapist. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have a life coach. What I'm telling you is they shouldn't be your primary source. What I'm telling you is you shouldn't take your favorite apostle and put his wisdom and knowledge above that of Christ. No pastor, no teacher, nobody should be able to take what Christ says and usurp it in your life. You have to follow Christ. And by following Christ, I mean you have to do what you got to do to get as close to him as you can. If you're not following Christ, that's a recipe to get tricked. The reason why you followed that advice from your therapist or your life coach or that person on TV or that person on the Internet because you thought it was gospel is because you didn't know what the gospel sounded like yourself. You have to follow Christ. Do not put the power of your life in the hands of anybody else. You need to be the author of your own future with Christ having the pen. Work together with him. This woman followed Jesus until she could reach him. 
That, loved ones, is the secret of finding what you're looking for in Christ. And you know what happened? When she reached out and she touched the fringe of that robe, she experienced a special moment. Guess what that special moment was? It says it right there. She touched the fringe of Jesus' robe and the bleeding stopped. That was an amazing moment for her. That is also a special moment for us. Because that moment introduces something miraculous that I believe when we read this account, many often miss. It teaches us something. What does it teach us? I'm glad you asked. This woman followed Jesus here until she could reach him. When she touches his robe, Jesus, the miracle man, he gives an unexpected response. Notice. Give me my next image, please. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 44 again. She followed Jesus, Jesus until she could reach him. She touched the fringe of the robe Jesus wore. And at that moment, the bleeding stopped. Jesus, stopping and looking about, said, who touched me? Curious question. Because we know she only touched the edge of his robe. The question is so curious and nonsensical that even the people around him begin to look at Jesus a little crossways. Who touched me? As a matter of fact, they begin to respond to this curious question. Next one. Verse 44 again, she followed Jesus until she could reach him. She touched the fringe of the robe he wore. At that moment, the bleeding stopped. Jesus stopped and looked around and said, who touched me? Someone in the crowd, everybody began speaking at once. Not me. Not me. Uh-uh. I didn't touch. Not me. Uh-uh. I didn't touch. Not me. Uh-uh. Not what me. Not me. Not me. Uh-uh. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about this. Tomorrow. Look at this. Not me. Not me. Not me. Not me. And then another person in the crowd said, it wasn't me either. <laughs> Peter and those with him began to intervene. Peter says, Master, what kind of question is that? With this huge crowd all around you and many people touching you on all sides. Now, let's read back into this. We know if Peter is anything like us, that what Peter really is saying is, that's the stupidest question I ever heard. You see all these folks standing around you, bumping all into you. What the flip-flop you mean, who touched you? How are we supposed to answer that, good master? 
That's how we would really say it. But let's look deeper. Because Jesus is saying, who touched me? And he's stopping everything. That tells me that when people started responding, he didn't just say, hey, who touched me? He said, wait a minute. Who touched me? He said it more like that. That got people to say, it wasn't me. I didn't touch you. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't touch you. Because, wait, people are touching him on all sides already. So what caused the response? I'll tell you what caused the response. Jesus' response to being touched caused the response. Let me give an example. Because you can be in a crowd and be touched. You can also be in a crowd and be touched. Example, you've been there, you've experienced, I've experienced it. If you haven't, I've experienced it. If you go to a concert, you go to a football game or sporting event with a lot of people, shoulder to shoulder, and you're trying to get in or out, so you're shuffling. You go into a hockey game, you're just shuffling. Now, people are hitting you on all sides. And that feels natural because everybody's bumping into each other. You don't think nothing of it. But then, if somebody touch on your booty, <laughs> no, no, uh, if somebody cop a feel, you say, that's different. That's not the touching I expect. I didn't expect hands to be there. That bump was a little too long. You, you, you understand? There is something about this touch that's different. I know everybody's touching me, but wait, somebody touched me differently. Be quiet, Peter. I'm not asking the natural question. Jesus senses something Different. He senses something interesting far beyond what's anticipated in his current environment of touching. He senses the contact family of something different. Get this. Jesus senses the touch of the one who didn't touch him. She touched his robe. She didn't touch him. And that contact, that touch, must have been powerful because he says this. Next one. She followed Jesus until she could reach him. She touched the fringe of his robe. Jesus wore the robe he wore. At that moment, the bleeding stopped. Jesus said, stop the presses. Somebody touched me up in here. They said, nobody touched you. You must be out of your mind. But Jesus said, you're lying because I felt something. I felt something. Loved ones. 
When you open your eyes in the morning and get up, the spirit realm should feel something. A shock wave should go through the spirit realm when you get up. He said, I felt something. I felt power going out of me. You ask me like you think I'm losing my mind, but I know that somebody touched me. Family, Jesus here is not talking about someone touching his person. No. We know that because this woman didn't touch him. But listen, what this tells me is that when she reached out for Jesus, something happened. Something happened. She reached for him. Jesus didn't feel her touch. He felt her reach. Her faith touched him. What does that tell us? That tells us in a crowd of people touching Jesus, this woman was the only one reaching for him. That's why you can be in a congregation of 10,000 and get different results out of each chair. Because there can be a lot of people in the crowd just wanting to be where the action is so they can touch Jesus. But not everybody is reaching for him. If you want to experience the life that God has for you, you have to move beyond simply wanting to touch Jesus and have a heart's desire to really reach for him. This gets us to a key point. Because loved ones, we all have been taught or we all have said once upon a time in our Christian life that God can put his super on our natural. Meaning that you go as far as you can go and you know that God is the all possible God and nothing is impossible to him. So wherever it is you can get yourself, you just depend on God to put his super with your natural and be able to get you a little bit farther. In the same vein, we're witnessing something right here. What are we witnessing? Let's say it together. Next image. Ready? Read. If you genuinely put forth the effort to reach for Jesus and fall short, your faith will still touch him. If you pursue with all of your might, with everything that's in you, a life in Christ, you don't have to worry about falling short. Because where your reach falls short, your faith will touch him.
That happened here to this woman. Her faith touched him where her reach fell short. And when that happened, she received the answer to her issue. Say this with me. Say, my objective objective is to genuinely genuinely reach for Jesus. Jesus. If I fall short, though, though, my faith faith will still touch him. him. Now, family, it's obvious that this woman received her healing. It's obvious that her faith bridged the gap between her reach and Jesus. But you know what? Her faith never has any gap to bridge if she waits. If she doesn't make the decision to try, faith has nothing to bridge. You have to try. You have to put forth the effort. If you don't put forth the effort, don't fault Jesus when it's you who's fallen short. Let me say this differently. When she reached for him, she not only got her healing, she caught his attention. He stopped everything. The same applies with you. If you make up your mind that you're going to pursue Jesus with all that you have and you reach for him, your faith touch will make connection. And in that touch, not only do you get his attention, but you get the answers and the solutions to what you're what you're searching for. It's a faith touch. Last thing I'm going to have her say together. Say this. The key to finding the solution that I seek in Christ is to follow him. I need to follow him as my primary source of wisdom, source of insight. It's okay to have other areas that I seek, but no area should take the place of Jesus. And if it does, I am in the wrong source. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, this woman continues to Excite me is not the word, but to teach me something. And we're going to go back through next time we're together and learn a little bit more and begin to branch out into J. Iris's daughter. For now, just remember, many times people try to wait on God when what you're waiting for 
is already in your power to begin getting it to come your way. Don't live your life always being one effort away from the life you want. Don't do that. I don't care if it's something in your physical body. Don't wait. Don't be one effort away. I don't care if it's how you want your family to be. Don't be like that. Don't be just one effort away. What do you want as your career? I don't know, but don't be one effort away. Meaning, don't just wait for your ship to come in. Get up and sometimes go swim to that ship. You got to reach. You have to give your faith something to bridge. If your position is just being sedentary, then your faith will sit right there on the couch with you. Until next time, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We trust you. We want to be closer to you. We want to hear you more clearly. On our side, we will put forth the effort. No more seeking our primary answers from other sources, but committing to find our answers in you. Not waiting, but being active. Not sitting back, but getting in motion. And we thank you that you are faithful. That when we reach for you, oh, we will get your attention. I thank you for everybody having as their default to first turn to you for solutions, answers, and anything else in this life. And you know what, God? We receive that as, yeah, I'm going to receive that as done. That no matter the mindset of the person hearing this message, that that mindset is changed right now. Waiting is no longer the default. Mm, they're going to be more prone to act. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.